Chapter Four of the Passenger Pigeon by William B. Mershon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four, as James Fenimore Cooper saw it. One of the most graphic descriptions ever written of a pigeon flight and slaughter is to be found in Cooper's novel The Pioneers, from which I make the following extracts. See Cousin Bess, see Duke, the pigeon roosts of the south have broken up. They are growing more thick every instant. Here's a flock that the eye cannot see the end of. There's food enough in it to keep the army of Xerxes for a month. And feathers enough to make beds for the whole country. The reports of the firearms became rapid, whole volleys rising from the plain, as flocks of more than ordinary numbers darted over the opening shadowing the field like a cloud, and then the light smoke of a single piece would issue from among the leafless bushes on the mountain, as death was hurled on the retreat of the affrighted birds, who were rising from a volley in a vain effort to escape. Arrows and missiles of every kind were in the midst of the flocks, and so numerous were the birds, and so low did they take their flight, that even long poles in the hands of those on the sides of the mountain were used to strike them to the earth. So prodigious was the number of the birds, that the scattering fire of the guns, with the hurtling missiles and the cries of the boys, had no other effect than to break off small flocks from the immense masses that continued to dart along the valley, as if the whole of the feathered tribe were pouring through that one pass. None pretended to collect the game, which lay scattered over the fields in such profusion as to cover the very ground with the fluttering victims. The slaughter described finally ended with a grand finale when an old swivel gun was loaded with hands full of bird shot, and fired into the mass of pigeons with such fatal effect that there were birds enough killed and wounded on the ground to feed the whole settlement. The following description is from The Chain-Bearer, also by J. Fenimore Cooper. The region of which he writes is in central New York. I scarce know how to describe the remarkable scene. As we drew near to the summit of the hill, pigeons began to be seen fluttering among the branches over our heads, as individuals are met along the roads that lead into the suburbs of a large town. We had probably seen a thousand birds glancing around among the trees before we came in view of the roost itself. The numbers increased as we drew nearer, and presently the forest was alive with them. The fluttering was incessant, and often startling as we passed ahead, our march producing a movement in the living crowd that really became confounding. Every tree was literally covered with nests, many having at least a thousand of these frail tenements on their branches, and shaded by the leaves. They often touched each other, a wonderful degree of order prevailing among the hundreds of thousands of families that were here assembled. The place had the odor of a fowl-house, and squabs just fledged sufficiently to trust themselves in short flights were fluttering around us in all directions in tens of thousands. To these were to be added the parents of the young race endeavoring to protect them and guide them in a way to escape harm. Although the birds rose as we approached, and the woods just around us seemed fairly alive with pigeons, our presence produced no general commotion, 
every one of the feathered throng appearing to be so much occupied with its own concerns as to take little heed of the visit of a party of strangers though of a race usually so formidable to their own the masses moved before us precisely as a crowd of human beings yields to a pressure or a danger on any given point the vacuum created by its passage filling in its rear as the water of the ocean flows into the track of the keel the effect on most of us was confounding and i can only compare the sensation produced on myself by the extraordinary tumult to that a man experiences at finding himself suddenly placed in the midst of an excited throng of human beings the unnatural disregard of our persons manifested by the birds greatly heightened the effect and caused me to feel as if some unearthly influence reigned in the place it was strange indeed to be in a mob of the feathered race that scarce exhibited a consciousness of one's presence the pigeons seemed a world of themselves and too much occupied with their own concerns to take heed of matters that lay beyond them not one of our party spoke for several minutes astonishment seemed to hold us all tongue-tied and we moved slowly forward into the fluttering throng silent absorbed and full of admiration of the works of the creator it was not easy to hear each other's voices when we did speak the incessant fluttering of wings filling the air nor were the birds silent in other respects the pigeon is not a noisy creature but a million crowded together on the summit of one hill occupying a space of less than a mile square did not leave the forest in its ordinary impressive stillness as we advanced i offered my arm almost unconsciously again to deuce and she took it with the same abstracted manner as that in which it had been held forth for her acceptance in this relation to each other we continued to follow the grave-looking onondago as he moved still deeper and deeper into the midst of the fluttering tumult while standing wondering at the extraordinary scene around us a noise was heard rising above that of the incessant fluttering which i can only liken to that of the trampling of thousands of horses on a beaten road this noise at first sounded distant but it increased rapidly in proximity and power until it came rolling in upon us among the tree-tops like a crash of thunder the air was suddenly darkened and the place where we stood as sombre as a dusky twilight at the same instant all the pigeons near us that had been on their nests appeared to fall out of them and the space immediately above our heads was at once filled with birds chaos itself could hardly have represented greater confusion or a greater uproar as for the birds they now seemed to disregard our presence entirely possibly they could not see us on account of their own numbers for they fluttered in between dus and myself hitting us with their wings and at times appearing as if about to bury us in avalanches of pigeons each of us caught at least one in our hands while chain-bearer and the indian took them in some numbers letting one prisoner go as another was taken in a word we seemed to be in a world of pigeons this part of the scene may have lasted a minute when the space around us was suddenly cleared the birds glancing upward among the branches of the trees 
disappearing among the foliage. All this was the effect produced by the return of the female birds, which had been off at a distance, some twenty miles at least, to feed on beech-nuts, and which now assumed the places of the males on the nests, the latter taking a flight to get their meal in their turn. I have since had a curiosity to make a sort of an estimate of the number of the birds that must have come in upon the roost, in that to us memorable moment. Such a calculation, as a matter of course, must be very vague, though one may get certain principles by estimating the size of a flock by the known rapidity of the flight and other similar means. And I remember that Frank Malbone and myself supposed that a million of birds must have come in on that return, and as many departed. As the pigeon is a very voracious bird, the question is apt to present itself, where food is obtained for so many mouths. But when we remember the vast extent of the American forests, this difficulty is at once met. Admitting that the colony we visited contained many millions of birds, and counting old and young, I have no doubt it did, there was probably a fruit-bearing tree for each within an hour's flight from that very spot. Such is the scale on which nature labors in the wilderness. I have seen insects fluttering in the air at particular seasons and at particular places until they formed little clouds, a sight every one must have witnessed on many occasions, and as those insects appeared on their diminished scale, so did the pigeons appear to us at the roost of Moose Ridge. End of chapter 4